appreciate that singing. Young people can be dismissed at this time, <clears throat> if you would. Your class is in the back. The rest of you, if you would, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34. That's in the first part of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. We're also going to look at Exodus chapter 34. So if you want to get your finger there now, that would be fine. But we're going to start out here in a few minutes in Deuteronomy chapter 34. We're focusing this year on being found faithful. That's our, our rallying cry. That's our goal. I hope it is yours as well, <clears throat> certainly mine. And today I want to focus on a fascinating truth uh, in Scripture. Uh, Lord gave me this a couple of uh, weeks ago, and it's just been really burning a, uh, in my heart. And what, a, what an exciting thing this is. It goes right along with what we've been talking about. And you could say, uh, after hearing this morning's message, this, was about, this message is about leadership, and you would be absolutely correct. You could listen to the same message and say, no, that was nothing about leadership. That was all about being a servant, and you'd be right too. So let's get into what I want to talk about this morning by giving you a statement I'm going to make a multiple times here. Uh, great men are great men before they become great men. Now, you hear that, and you probably think it's finally happened. He's lost his marbles. But stay with me, and uh, I want to bring that point home. I think we can see it out of Scripture. Great men are great men before they become great men. Great leaders are great before they can become great leaders. In other words, if you achieve something in your Christian life, and you achieve something great, if you achieve great things in your Christian life, it's going to be built on a great foundation. Now, there's much emphasis today on being a great leader or being a great influencer. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, that's what I want to be. I, I have for years, uh, probably since my mid-20s, I've tried to read at least one book on leadership uh, every quarter throughout the year and uh, want to keep those things always growing in those areas. And if you'll go into Barnes & Noble, I can attest that you'll find great sections on leadership. You'll find how you can be a leader, how you can be a better leader, how to increase your leadership uh, skills. There's countless books written on the subject. But if you search for a book, How to Be a Follower, you're going to be searching for a while. They're not really written. They're not talked about uh, because people don't seek to be a follower. They seek to be a leader. However, Aristotle said this, He who cannot be a good follower cannot be a good leader. Uh, Barbara Kellerman said followers are more important to leaders than leaders are to followers. Now, but this isn't a subject that we are naturally drawn to. This not a philosophy that we are naturally inclined to uh, enjoy. But if you listen carefully today, I believe I'm going to ha- give you a truth out of the Word of God. It helped me, and I believe it'll help you. And so stay with me. I know in a few minutes you're probably going to start to smell drifting, wonderful smells from the food. Uh, Ignore all that. Let's get the spiritual food first, amen? Uh, If it gets all the way up here, I'll probably hurry up. Uh, Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse number 9. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. The children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. 
in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. And in all that mighty hand and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes on greatness before greatness. Father, I pray that you would help us in these few minutes we have together. I sure hope that this point and this truth will be driven home in the hearts of these fine folks like it has in mine. I pray, Lord, you'd help me to do justice to your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the greatest leaders in history, if not the greatest leader in all of human history, many people would agree was Moses. Uh, he was a phenomenal leader of men. It's still a life we can study today. But Moses did not have the best resume. Moses was born a slave. Moses had a stutter and a temper to boot. He had, wasn't able to really speak well in front of people. And for the last 40 years of Moses' life, he lived 40 years in the palace, and then he spent 40 years out in the backside of the desert as a lowly shepherd, not even watching his own sheep, but watching the sheep of his father-in-law. Yet Moses proceeded after that to challenge the greatest and most powerful leader in the world. Uh, he led millions of people from oppression to freedom. Uh, Moses received from God and brought to the people the Ten Commandments off of the mountain. Moses knew how to lead. Moses had that quality in him and that disposition that even impressed those people that did not believe in God, as you look at throughout Moses' life. But here's the problem. Leadership is always temporary. If you're a leader of a corporation or a leader of a ministry, uh, you don't really own that corporation. Uh, even if you began it, you, you only have it for a while to steward. You only have that ministry for a while to steward. And then uh, you're going to pass off the scene at some point, and then it has to move on. It is temporary, leadership is. What happens then? Well, in the case of Moses, there was one being groomed to take his place. And he's the focus of our message today. His name is Joshua. Joshua first came on the scene when God told Moses to smite the rock when the children of Israel had no water. And uh, they, they, uh, they, they, he struck the rock and water came out. Uh, they, had, they were about to stone Moses. They were all upset. They were complaining and they were griping because they were thirsty. And so God told Moses to strike a, wa a rock and water came forth out of that rock and God gave the people uh, provision miraculously. The next words in that story were, then came Amalek. No sooner is one trial over, the shortage of water, immediately another trial hits them, uh, the attack of Amalek. Isn't that how life is sometimes? I mean, we just get beyond one trial and we think, whew, that's over. Then came Amalek. And now they had something greater to, to uh, battle and to fight in their life. And so trials are like that. Uh, the Israelites' reaction is different in these two trials because, can I tell you this too, trials are not without benefit. There's a purpose in them. There's a benefit in trials. The uh, trials strengthen our faith. Trials help us grow spiritually if we react appropriately to that trial. The Israelites' reaction to the water shortage was terrible. They were going to stone Moses, the leader God gave them. Uh, but this trial, when Amalek came, they performed bravely. Moses chose Joshua to lead the Israelite army against the Amalekites in Exodus 17. He followed the commands of Moses in leading the battle efforts. 
The next time we see Joshua, if you'll turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24, uh, we see him again for the second time in Exodus chapter 24. And verse number 13, And Moses rose up, and his minister, Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. We're in verse number 14. Exodus 24, and he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called Moses into, or he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Verse 18, it says that Moses went into the cloud. Here we see that Joshua was Moses' minister. You could say that Joshua was Moses' gopher. Go for this, go for that. That's what Joshua was. He was a gopher. He was a servant. Don't forget, he had just been the, the, the uh, chief command of the army. He was the, he was the commander general of the army of Israel, and now he's just a servant uh, to Moses. He was his minister. Now, the Bible's not really clear, but it seems like Moses took Joshua up with him up the mountain. It says, tarry ye here for us. So he took Joshua with him up the mountain, but then probably Moses went into the cloud alone, as we see in verse 18. So what's Joshua doing during this time? We know that Moses is up there for 40 days. Well, Joshua's serving Moses. He's cooking. He's cleaning. He's keeping the, the camp where they're at camping. He's uh, serving the creature comforts as Moses as much as you can. He's ministering to Moses. In other words, he's his waiter. He waited on him. He was a servant. What did Joshua do? Whatever Moses needed Joshua to do. He was his servant. The Bible says he was his minister. And he did this for 40 years, 38 to 40 years. We'll round it up. That's all he was for 40 years. There's no evidence that he ever demanded more. He was just a servant. He was just helping Moses. Let me ask you today. What do you demand in the service of the Lord? Do you refuse to serve God without proper recognition? Do you have to have credit for everything you do? That's not the attitude Joshua had. I've heard this statement made, there is no limit to what a man can do or how far a man can go if he does not care who gets the, who gets the recognition or who gets the credit. God give us men and God give us women who will just get busy and serve him, not worried about the credit and just get be even behind the scenes. And sometimes it's in front of people, sometimes nobody knows about it, but just willing to serve. Today in our annual meeting, we will elect some servant leaders for the next year. Several different positions open up and, and we uh, pick people to serve in positions of, of leadership, but yet servanthood. Now those that are chosen... Uh, in those positions can do one of two things. They can use that position to honor and serve God with the position, or they can look for ways to promote self within that position. Whenever we have an opportunity to serve in a uh, position of leadership, we must take ourselves out of the picture and focus on whom we are serving. And by the way, who do we serve? The answer is given in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. This was Joshua. Joshua was just a faithful servant. 
He was out there serving Moses. He was working in the background. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 31, as the story goes on, Moses gave Joshua a charge from God. He says, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore unto them, and I will be with thee. Now, remember Moses, God had told Moses, you can't take the children of Israel in. You're going to die before that happens. And so now Moses is handing the mantle of leadership over to Joshua. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 34, it talks about how God empowered and enabled Joshua. As he takes the reins of leadership, he has the commission of Moses and the blessing of God. Now, don't miss this. This is a great day. The day has finally come for Joshua. He's waited 40 years for this moment. For 40 years, he, cho- he served God's chosen leader. Now, all of a sudden, he was God's chosen leader for the children of Israel. Later, Jesus would proclaim in Luke 16, 10, He that is faithful in a few things will also be faithful in much. That principle is true in the day of Joshua, in the day of Jesus, and it's true in the day of you and I. Now, this is a, leads me to my primary point today. Great men are great men before they become great men. Joshua was great before he became great. Great men, as we see, are great before they become great men. This was not a small transition of power. We've already said, we're talking about Moses here, possibly the greatest leader in human history, and he hands the reins over to Joshua. Who is Joshua? What has Joshua done? Well, he was a minister. He was a servant. He was found faithful in everything that he did. Great men are great men before they become great men. Let me show you what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 3. If you'll go back to Joshua, uh, where you were earlier, just a page over from the last chapter in Deuteronomy there, in Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 7. In Joshua 3, 7, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know... As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Basically, God's saying, now listen, Joshua, I've told you you're the man. You're the one for the job. Now, I'm going to start showing Israel that you're the man as well. That's what he says in Joshua 3, 7, because they're going to need some assurance. Now, jump over one more page to Joshua chapter 4 and verse 14, and here's the truth that I want you to grab onto today. Don't want to miss this. Jo- Joshua 4, 14. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, and they fear as they feared Moses all the days of his life. See what the Bible says there? The Bible says that God changed Joshua. It doesn't say that at all, actually. It says he magnified him. Now, that's interesting to me. You take a magnifying glass, and if you hold it over words on the page... Does it change what is on the page? No, it does not. It doesn't change the words on the page. It simply enlarges what's already there. In other words, when you magnify something, you are making evident something that might not be seen at first by everybody. It magnifies it. You ever seen somebody with thick glasses and they've got huge, ginormous eyeballs? You can see everything. Uh, Because it's magnified. I don't know why I added that in, but uh, magnification. 
Now, you make evident what's not seen at first. Listen, great men are great men before they become great men. This certainly was the case for Joshua. He'd been found faithful for 40 years. Now, God, listen to me now, took the faithfulness that he already had in him, the character he already had in him, and he magnified it so everybody could see it. He didn't change Joshua. He magnified him. He didn't, Joshua didn't all of a sudden become a different person. He was simply who he was before, and God said, Hey, I'm going to let everybody see what you really are, Joshua. You have been found faithful and found faithful and found faithful. I knew it. Now everybody's going to know it. And so he magnifies him in front of all the people. Hallelujah. Now, before this point, the people might have thought, Joshua, Joshua. Well, I guess we'll give him a try as leader and if he doesn't work, we'll impeach him. You know, we'll give him a shot. But now, look what this verse says. Joshua's God's man. They feared him as they feared Moses. Why? Because God magnified him. Didn't change him. He already was who he was. But now he's been magnified. May I remind you, this is not Joshua going into Barnes and Noble and finding that book that says how to be the best you and going home and reading it and practicing it. No, this is God's doing. All Joshua did is he was found faithful, doing his job, doing his work, just being found faithful, and God magnified him. Now, the questions that I have today is, is God still doing that? God still magnify people today? I have an idea that he does. For a man to be magnified, though, it takes time. If you'll be seen as a leader, it will be in his time. There are no shortcuts. It requires faithfulness. Now, you look at what we want. What do we want? We want power. We want position. We want influence. The last thing we want is to be a pawn, to be a minister, to be a servant. But the truth of the Christian life, and don't miss this, the truth of the Christian life is that you do not get transformed into being a leader. You get magnified into being a leader in the Christian life. By the way, it works that way in the world many times too. We won't get into that right now. But in the Christian life, it's not that uh, you, you are transformed overnight into a great leader. Uh, you are found faithful, and you're found faithful, and you're found faithful, and then all of a sudden God magnifies you, and you have a great position. So what's the answer? Be found faithful. Let God promote you. You just be found faithful. Sometimes, here's the thing about God's promotions. Now, we could talk about God's promotions for a long time throughout Scripture, but sometimes God's promotions look like serious demotions. You ever notice that in your Christian life? I'll give you an example. Sometimes, by the way, you feel like you're going down rather than going up. A couple of great examples in the Bible. There was Joseph. Joseph began to have dreams that told him that one day he's going to rule over his brothers. He's going, to be a, uh, he's going to be their leader. Isn't that special? Isn't that neat? Well, his brothers didn't think so, so they threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. Uh, he, he was put on the auction block and sold again in Egypt. He then was sold to a man named Potiphar and served him faithfully. And, and then Potiphar falsely accused him. And now Joseph is in prison. And there in prison, he meets a couple of VIPs from the palace himself. And he serves them. And then they, uh, he helps them. And they promise, one of them promises to be, uh, to remember Joseph. And he goes up to the palace, forgets all about Joseph. Now Joseph spends years in prison, even further, 
forgotten by everyone. But listen, can I tell you, without these experiences, Joseph would have never been ready to rule. But what happened in his life? Great men are great men before they can become great men. And Joseph was found faithful and found faithful and found faithful. And then he became the second most powerful man in Egypt. Preparation comes before promotion. Now, here, here's, where, here's where we are often in our Christian life we make the mistake. Our focus, your focus, my focus, ought to be on being found faithful in our preparation and then let God be concerned about our promotion. But see, we are all, we're all wrapped up in our promotion, promoting ourselves, getting to that position, being over, letting other people know that, hey, I'm the one over you. I'm, to, uh, I'm the one that's supposed to tell you how to do things and in getting position and power and influence. That's what we're often focused on. You just focus on being found faithful in preparation and you let God promote you and you'll be amazed at what he does. But sometimes this involves humbling ourselves, going through difficulty like Joseph did. I'm simply saying sometimes the way might seem down before it is up. There's David, another example of how God will demote in order to promote. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David, he's sitting out on a rock watching some sheep uh, playing with his slingshot and playing his harp and just trying to pass the time and, and scrolling through Facebook, doing all those things. He's just trying to pass the time of the day. And suddenly he's called up to the house and, and uh, Samuel, the prophet, was there. And Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel. This is quite an honor for a shepherd. A shepherd boy, in fact, anointed as king. I guess he went right up and packed his suitcase and headed off toward the palace, didn't he? No, he actually didn't. He went back out to the field and watched the sheep. Uh, the Bible says then that he uh, not only was a shepherd for a while longer, he, he later lived his life a fugitive's life, running from the king, just trying to stay alive. He was hunted. He lived in caves like an outcast. He was separated from all that he loved. Hey, God, thanks for the promotion. God's promotion looked like a demotion at first, but then he became the greatest king that Israel ever had. This is how God works sometimes. In the process of your promotion, sometimes he'll take you through some very difficult times to get you ready for the position that he has for you. We just need to be found faithful. That's the focus of our efforts. Not only does it take time, it also takes tests. You want God to magnify you? Be something worth magnifying. God will do it when he deems that you're ready. Hey, by the way, you know there wouldn't be any need for leaders if there weren't any trials? Think about your workplace. Think about anything, any organization, ministry, whatever. If there weren't any problems ever, there wouldn't be a need for leaders. But so because leaders are there for the trials and for the problems, can you see why it's important that they go through some tests in their uh, preparation and actually pass them? Too many young men today want to lead others because they read a couple of books on John Ma by John Maxwell or Blackaby on leadership and uh, they feel ready to tackle the world. They've never really endured any test, certainly never passed any, but they want to lead uh, others and uh, be in charge of others. It helps us to remember in our ministry that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. Our testing 
is part of some greater purpose that God has. It helps us to remember that. In part, it is part of God's plan for building you, for greater things, preparing you for things in your life that you might not even be able to imagine yet. Just be found faithful, and God will do great things with you and through you. Man, it's a, it's a great truth for us to grasp that God is not so interested in what you can do for him than what he can do through you. And he wants to do that through your faithfulness, just being found faithful. Romans 8, 29 says that God has one purpose for your life. He says this, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now that verse explains the prior verse, which we know so well, Romans 8, 28. For we know uh, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. See, he uses those things to make us like his son, Jesus Christ. Now, tests, don't miss this now, tests are God's way of revealing things in us that need to be corrected for him. You see, when you find yourself in hot water, in a test, in a trial, it reveals what you are so that God can change you. I have a very simple illustration this morning that I think will drive this point home uh, because all of us, <coughs> all of us at times are put into hot water. I have some hot water up here if it's still hot from before and uh, we're going to pour it into this cup here. And uh, how many of you uh, on a regular basis make tea? I know the Nielsen's do. Every time I visit them, they make me tea. It's a blessing to see us go over there. If you like a good cup of tea, you just go to see them at their house. All right. So I have a cup of tea, uh, a tea bag here. But here's the deal about this tea, that when I put it in hot water, I'm not transforming this, right? We all understand that? I'd love if I could put tea in there and get coffee, amen? Because coffee is so much better than tea. But I don't get coffee when I put it in there. I get tea. And so when I put that in there, uh, what's in that bag, the hot water is going to reveal what's in there. Now, if I didn't have the wrapper, I might not know what kind of tea that is until it starts to be revealed by that hot water, and then all of a sudden I can sniff and say, ah, it's mint. I can tell what that is right away because the hot water is revealing what's in there. Now, sometimes God does this. He drops us in some hot water. Now, get this now. He doesn't, this doesn't change us, but it reveals us. I'll give you an example. You do not lose your temper when everything goes well, right? You lose your temper when one of your children washes your shiny red car with SOS pads. So I've been told. You do not get depressed when you get called into the office at work and get a raise. But you might get depressed if you get called in and you get fired. What I'm saying today is God puts you in hot water, and then what that does is it reveals your weaknesses. And so all these things are working together because you want, hey, you got a temper problem. you got an anger problem. This, this hot water reveals that, so now we know what to correct in our life. Now we know what uh, needs to be taken care of to make us more in the image of his son. Then when we pass the test, then we can be prepared for the promotion that God has for us. But that's why he puts us through some tests. That's what he did for Joshua over and over and over. Joshua, do you remember during that 40-day period? I find this interesting. 
uh, you have Aaron and Hur were at the base of the, here, the children of Israel are down here. Aaron and Hur went part of the way there, there. Joshua's up on the mountain, and then Moses is further in the cloud. Aaron and Hur, they should have known better, <coughs> but they got antsy. The people said, we, Moses never coming back. Let's make an idol and worship an idol. And so Aaron and Hur agreed, and they made a golden calf. Well, they didn't make it. They just threw gold in the fire, and a calf jumped out. That's, that's Aaron's description. And then they're down there at that horrible, uh, wicked, uh, idolatrous party they're having. Where's Joshua? He's up on the camp. Is he bored? Out of his mind. It's been 30 days, 35 days, 40 days, waiting. Just waiting on Moses. Being found faithful. It's drudgery. It's dreary. But he wasn't down there worshiping false gods. He wasn't making a calf. He was just being found faithful. Man, if we could just put our focus on our part, the preparation rather than the promotion, and let God deal with the promotion. He'll take care of that. You just deal with being found faithful. When God prepares us for that day, then the day comes when he magnifies us to others. The day comes when you've been faithful and you've, been, uh, you've, you've kept on going and kept on going, doing everything right, and then one day God says, all right, now I'm going to magnify you to other people, and that's where your impact begins. That's where your leadership begins. That's where your influence begins. Not that he's changing you, but he's taking that year, that faithfulness you've been all these years, and he's magnifying them to others. He's simply exposing you for what you already were found faithful. Isn't that good? It's a reason to be found faithful today, folks. In the story of the talents, the master says the exact same thing to the man that doubled his five talents to ten as he did to the man that doubled his two talents to four. This is what he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. Behold, I will make thee ruler over many things. Here's what I believe is biblical leadership in the eyes of God. God gives you one person, one person, and you're faithful with that one person. You serve them. You do what you need to that one person. Maybe it's a kid in a Sunday school class. Maybe you have a Sunday school class of one. <laughs> but you prepare. You're faithful. And then God gives you two. And you're faithful with those two. And then God gives you more. And, and your influence grows. And as you're faithful with the little God's given you, uh, you're found faithful in your Sunday school class with five kids. And then your influence expands. Before you know it, you're impacting more people than you could ever imagine. And the key is being found faithful. About a year ago, a young man came to church on a Wednesday night. I had never seen him before. Later, I heard that he hadn't went to any church in years. He came and he sat down right at the back of the church, and we had our service, and I, I preached. Uh, love, By the way, if you don't in the habit of coming Wednesday nights, we have a wonderful time Wednesday night uh, Bible study. And so uh, preached the message and and uh, afterwards, he came up, and we talked for a while. And, man, he was excited. He says, I'm gonna, I want to be a part of this church. He says, I want to throw in. I want to be a part of Bible Baptist Church. He called me the next day. He says, hey, i got to talk to you. we got to get together. So I decided to meet him for coffee, went up and, and sat down at Perkins and talked for a while. And, and uh, he said, listen, I've decided I'm going to be your assistant pastor. This is before Pastor Forsberg. said, don't worry. He said, I'm going to be your assistant. I'm going to. We're going we're gonna to take Brookings by storm. Now, I don't ever like to throw a wet blanket on enthusiasm. I like enthusiasm. 
So I said, well, listen, why don't you start by being faithful to church, coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, start to get to know the people, start to let the people get to know you, and uh, you just come. Well, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. He came back one more time about three months later. And uh, I've called him many times since, and, and uh, the last time I called, I, I got a, a different person. He had changed his number. But here's the problem for many of us. We like promotion. But we don't like preparation. Isn't that true for us? I mean, do you? Maybe I'm weird. I don't like preparation. I like promotion. Just promote me. I don't want to prepare. Joseph could have said that. No. Take me out of jail, promote me. But he needed the preparation. Most of us don't like preparation. But preparation is so, so, so important. Well, the West, you just had surgery a week and a half ago. Was it important to you that there was a season of preparation in your doctor's life? I'm guessing so. Can I encourage you today to be patient, be faithful, submit to God's timing? That's what it's all about. That's what Joshua did. God, one day, will magnify you if you're found faithful. I, I guarantee it. One day, he'll magnify you. You just be found faithful. Don't get all bent up about the promotion you just focus on the preparation. God, whatever you need me to do now, I'll be found faithful. Uh, whatever you send my way, I'll try to learn from it. I'll try to use every trial and learn more about it. I just want to be faithful. And if you focus on being faithful one day, I promise you, God will magnify you. In chapter 4, and we're not going into this really. I just wanted to kind of add this as an addendum. But in chapter 4, verses 21 through 24 uh, of Joshua, Joshua, the Bible says he magnified the Lord. By the way, that's what it's all about. God magnifies you so you can magnify him. You keep magnifying him and, and uh, being faithful to him, and one day he'll magnify you. But a question for you today, dear friend, is maybe you've put the focus on the wrong thing. Are you, have you been impatient with God? Have you been impatient with the, maybe the trials, the struggles he's throwing your way? Perhaps you're in the school of preparation, and you're ready to get into the promotion spot. We need to be faithful in school. Amen? Be faithful in preparation. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't...